Israelites began to think for sure they were triumphant. God sent a man that would be full of faith to begin to build a boat. God had a plan even in the beginning that when hell thought it was going to win, God said, I'm not done and I still got one more move. It was there that it was accounted on one man's righteousness that God would spare a man by the name of Noah. It was there through one man's righteousness God would spare humanity again when hell thought it was over. I can look countless times throughout the Bible and I can see countless times where hell thought that it would be over. Faith would become the presiding factor that would stand in the face of hell and declare that it ain't over until God says that he's done. Abraham, by faith, atop of a Mount Moriah, with his promised son Isaac, hell stood by and saw where a generation would be wiped out. But Abraham, by faith, brings down the blade of the knife within inches of the chest of his son that was bound on the altar. Hell said, it was over. Hell began to scoff. Hell began to mock. But God said, I'm not done. There is still one more move. And the arm of the Lord stopped the blade before it pierced into Isaac's heart. And God provided a ram in the bush. And Abraham declared him in that moment as Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. I want you to know tonight that when you're in the midst of of, of your battle, when you're in the midst of the turmoil, that your provision will come when you least expect it. God will show up right on time. He may seem late. He may seem like it may seem like everything is over. It may seem like it's done. Hell may be laughing, but God said you laugh too soon. So many times when I look in the word of God, I look and I see countless times in the Bible where it looked like devastation, where it looked like hell would stand by and be able to say it's over. It was Joseph that was thrown into a pit, betrayed by his very own family, stripped of his coat of many colors, sold as a slave into Egypt, lied on by Potiphar's wife, stripped again of his garments, thrown into prison. Hell said it was over. Hell said, ah, at last we have destroyed this one. But God said, your family can betray you, but I'll stay closer than a brother. They can strip you of your coat of many colors, but they can't strip you of my favor. God said they can sell you as a slave, but you're still my son. God said they can lie on you, but I am the way, the truth, and the life. God said when the enemy comes in like a flood, I'll raise up a standard against them. See, it was there that when he was Stripped, it was there when he was shoved into a cold, dark prison that hell was laughing and saying it was over. But God said, No. It ain't over till I say I'm done. It's not done. It's not done until I say I'm done. It was the Red Sea where I can see the people of God that were being pursued by the hard-hearted Pharaoh. The chariots were coming. The armor was clanging. The armies were enclosing. And hell was standing by to say, it is over. It is there that what hell thought would and would take into account that it would be there that it would all end. But see, what hell miscalculated was a man by the name of Moses. And what hell miscalculated was a man 
hand that was full of faith. What hell miscalculated was a rod in the hand of God's man. And it was there that God said, stretch forth your hand and see the salvation of the Lord. It was there when hell thought it was over. It was there when hell said the road is closed. It was there when hell said it's a dead end that God said, stretch forth your hand and the Red Seas parted. And the Bible says that Israel walked through on dry land. See, we find countless times throughout Scripture that when hell is closing in on you, saying that it's over, that the same God who parted the Red Sea for Moses, he'll make a way for you. It is there in this moment that when hell is closing in, that we find out that the same God that called on to Moses is calling on your name. It's there in this moment that we find out that it's not over until God says it's over. See, there's many of you that sit here this evening and hell has said that it's over. I don't know whether it's a Red Sea in front of you. I don't know whether it's the, the, the suffering of what you perceive as a loss of a loved one. I don't know if it's been betrayal and by family members and thrown into pits. I don't know if it is a relationship with God that you feel like you have utterly failed him and you've been kicked out of relationship. But can I tell you this evening that when hell says it's over, it's the church's job to say, I don't think so. See, there's many of us that sit here, and can I tell you that God loves you. God is fighting for you, and hell can't win when you live a life surrendered to the King of Kings. I believe that it's the church's job to say, I don't think so. When a woman has an abortion and feels like she could no, never regain her standing, while hell would whisper, it's over, you're a failure, and the church's job is to scream, I don't think so. See, it's the church's job when hell uh, tells the prostitute uh, that she's, she's full of filth and nobody really would love her and nobody wants her, that she'll never be any more than a streetwalker. It's the church's job to stand up and say, I don't think so. God is not done. Come on, y'all. We live in a world where people feel thrown away. We live in a world where people feel like it's over. We live in a world where suicide is on the rise. But can I tell you tonight that it is the church's job to be the voice of God that says, I don't think so. It ain't over until God says that it's over. See, when the drug addict is contemplating suicide because all of his life has been so so squandered on an addiction while hell is whispering behind closed doors, just end your life. It's the church's job to kick the door in and declare that Jesus Christ is life and life forevermore and abundantly. I want to tell somebody this evening that your destiny is greater than your disaster. I want to tell somebody tonight that your destiny is greater than your dilemma. I want to tell somebody tonight that your destiny is greater than your depression. And I want you to know tonight that your destiny is greater than your distress. Jesus Christ paid a price that you couldn't pay so that you could live a life that you don't deserve. He purchased your destiny. He bought you and brought you into eternal life so that in him you may live and not die. So when hell says it's over, God can say, I'm not done. There's a painting that is known as Checkmate. They've got a picture of it that I want to show you tonight. 
This painting is a painting that hangs on the wall of a museum in New York City. And it is in this painting that there was a group of athletes that were coming through the museum while they were touring in New York City. And as they came up to this painting, uh, all the athletes came and they looked at it and they would pierce at it and they thought it was a unique painting, but then they would slowly move on. But in that crowd that day uh, of that tour of athletes, there was a man that wasn't just an athlete. He was the world chess champion. And coming in and beginning to stand with the crowd, he's looking at the painting. He's peering at the painting and see he sees that uh, on one hand, on the one side, it's the devil. But on the other side, it is a man that is perplexed. And he's standing there and he's looking at it. And a man comes up to him and he tells him, he says, do you understand the painting? He says, uh, no, uh, what's going on? He said, well, it, it's a painting that's been entitled by the artist as checkmate because it's, it, it's a proposal of a picture that when we play with the devil, we'll get in a place uh, where we can never get out of it. And, and as, the, as the world chess champion is standing there, the crowd begins to move on and they leave and they walk further down. And an hour goes by and everyone begins to ask, where is so-and-so? He's not with us. And, and, and the leader of the group comes back and he finds the world chess champion standing in front of that painting and he asked him he says what are you doing he said well you may not know it he said but my name is so and so and I'm the world chess champion and he said as I've been staring at this painting he said one of two things either has to happen he said either they got to repaint the painting or they got to change its name and the director of the museum said sir what do you mean he said well as I've been peering at this painting as I've been looking at it you said it's checkmate he said but I've been looking at it and while you say that the devil has him in checkmate I can see the man that you think is perplexed and I came to tell you that the king still has one more move see I want you to know tonight that the king still has one more move on resurrection morning it was hell that was laughing and scoffing saying that it was over the son of God crucified the son of God dead hallelujah they thought but little did they know that the king still had one more move. It would be there that on the on the frustration of Friday, it would be through the silence of Saturday that while the enemy thought he had the world in checkmate, that while the enemy thought that he had backed humanity, ah, the Son of God dead. We've crucified him. Little did they know that this Son of God was a seed, that when the seed falls to the ground and dies, it will bring forth many seeds. It'll bring forth many sons. And Jesus Christ, it was the plan all along that he said, no man take my life, but I lay it down as a ransom for many. See, the woman found in adultery, hell stood and said it was over, but the king still had one more move. See, if you're going to condemn someone, don't throw them at the feet of Jesus. Come on, somebody. I said, if you're going to condemn somebody, don't throw them at the feet of Jesus. It's the woman that's found in adultery that we find out that the king still had one more move. If you're going to condemn somebody, don't throw them at the feet of Jesus. Throw them at a denomination. Throw them at the feet of an angry church member, but don't throw them at the feet of Jesus. If you're going to condemn somebody, you, you, you'll, you can't throw them.
them at the feet of Jesus because at the feet of the king, the king still has one more move. The woman that's caught in the act of adultery, thrown at the feet of Jesus, Jesus crouching down, begins to write in the sand. And the Bible says that one by one they left when they realized that he said, let the sinless man cast the first stone. And as he began to write out on the dirt, as he began to write out one by one, they disappeared. And Jesus, looking at the woman, said, all of your accusers have left you. Go your way and sin no more. This woman would go on to become a mighty woman of God. See, when the church steps in and says, God's not done with you yet. See, if there was ever a place in Scripture that I had to look at that said maybe hell was going to get it right, if there was ever a place that I could look at in the Word of God and say, yeah, maybe hell was going to win there, I would say that it would have been right in the middle of the life of Job. If I look at the life of Job, see, on, on one day he lost his family. He lost his homes. He lost his health. He lost his wealth. He, hell was saying it's over. His own life was saying, or his own wife was saying, just curse God and die. But there's a marvelous scripture in Job that in the very last chapter, in the second to the last verse in 42 and 16, and it says, and after this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. See, when hell said it was over, I, I came tonight to preach to somebody about an after this. Come on, somebody. It said in Job 42, and after this, Job lived 140. After what? After what looked like calamity. After what looked like destruction. After it looked like hell had won. After the death. After the curses. After all of the assailants of the enemy. After this. I just want to preach to somebody tonight for one moment about an after this. That hell maybe tried to tell you it's over, but I came to tell you there's an after this. There's an after this. There's an after this. See, there's an after this where hell said it's over. God can give you an after this. You lost your husband, but after this. You lost your money, your finances in a bad financial decision, but after this. You lost your marriage. But after this, you, you, lost, you lost your health, you, uh, you lost a loved one to cancer, you, you, lost a, you lost a ministry, you lost it, you lost it. But after this, uh, you've been addicted to drugs for 10 years, but after this, stand with me all over the house tonight as we close. In closing, I would say that hell stood by and laughed as Jesus, the Son of God, carried the cross up the hill. Satan watched as they gambled for his clothing, listening and encouraging the mockers to shout just a little louder. The hours passed and finally the cry from the cross, it is finished. And Jesus dies and gives up the ghost. Satan hurries back to hell to declare, at last, the Son of God is dead. Hell throws a party. The party goes on for hours. But in the late hours of the party, there's a mighty ripping of the gates of hell open. Oh, they're gathered round the table, getting drunk on the idea of thinking that we have won. But all of a sudden, outside of the gates, 
There's a rattle and a rumble. All of a sudden, there's a tearing open of the gates of hell. What is this? What is this? The devil and his demons hear the sound trembling from the gates. And as they begin to run, there standing at the gate is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's commanding, give me the keys of death, hell, and the grave. See, hell thought it was over. But the king still had one more move. The devil hands the keys back into the hands of its rightful owner. And Revelation 1 and 18 said, I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Hell thought it was over, but God was not done. He rolled the stone away. See, the glory of Resurrection Sunday is that when hell says it's over, God says, I'm not done. Even still, I tell you, God's not done. Because in the same manner, he's coming back. The story still isn't over. The story still isn't over. In the same manner, he's coming back. On the day, uh, 40 days of his, his resurrection, he's seen, the Bible says, walking among the crowds. And there on the day of his ascension, 500 gather round. And Jesus begins to ascend into the heavens because he who ascended also descended, leading captivity captive. But the angels now standing asked them, why do you stand there peering in the sky? For the same manner in which he goes, he's coming back. Can I encourage somebody tonight that you feel like your back's up against the wall? Hell is saying that it's over. It's the church's job to tell you God's not done. There's some of you tonight under the sound of my voice, and you feel like the man in that painting. Checkmate. But I came to prophesy over your life tonight and tell you, either they're going to have to repaint the painting or they're going to have to rename it because the king still has one more move. Every head bowed and every eye closed that's in here tonight, I feel the Spirit of God. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you are. But He does. He knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly where you are. And I believe tonight in the Spirit there's a rumbling outside the gates of your heart. And the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, who is resurrected, who is the resurrection and the life, is standing at the door of your heart. And he is knocking. He's saying, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hears my voice and, and lets me in, I will come in and I will sup with him. I can hear the knocking of the Lord tonight on the doors of hearts. Your back is against the wall.